Play Shop with your favourite cousins. James and Alex Fitzgerald, I'm feeling very guilty. It was uh, producer JB's birthday yesterday and I've completely cocked that up and completely forgotten. So, producer JB, this one's for you. Happy birthday, JB. James on guitar playing Happy Birthday, Stevie Wonder Star. Happy birthday. Anyway, because um, I was. Hey, chocolate. Yeah. Absolutely chock a block episode I know, today, by the way. I know. We've, We've got a lot to we get We actually through. had to do a bit of a cull, actually, didn't we? We did. There's a lot in the news. We did. There's a lot in the news, and I'm not talking about, you know, the submarines and whatnot. I mean, in, in our world, it, there's a lot in the news generally, but there's, there there's a lot. There is. Property, inflation, you know, yep. what we're trying to do to yep. combat all of that. So, where, where does a girl or where do a couple of girls, hey, start? You and me, cuz. <laughs> By the way, it was good to have you over the other week. Um, oh, was good to have it you ever? over. You met little. You met little Davey. Best week ever. Best week yep. ever. It, I've been to your place. You've been to mine. It was a, it's been good. It was actually a perfect <laughs> trade off because I got to stay at yours uh, in Brisbane. Lovely, lovely, lovely weather. Didn't really want to leave, and also I wanted to hang out with Davey a bit more. And by the way, he really yep. liked me so. That made it even, even better. You got him giggling. You got him giggling oh my God, before we I did could. too. And he had an mm. eight-hour sleep that night. And that yeah. seems to be something that I'm very good at. Um, my girlfriend Ripper go. visited the other day with her one-year-old and he he had a nine-hour sleep that night. So there's there just, it must be my pheromones. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. I don't, wear, I don't wear perfume, so it can't be that, but it's my pheromones. They're calming for, for babies. Now, I did, I mean, I stayed at yours and then you stayed at mine the, the following week or you visited and um, you went to bed very early, had to put a baby to sleep and uh, I wasn't quite yep. ready to go to bed at 7.30 p.m. So you said, here's the TV remote and I jumped onto your Netflix and I have to say, because <laughs> jumping into someone else's algorithm is very entertaining and boy was it different to my Netflix algorithm Listeners, if you ever get the chance to dabble on someone else's algorithm on Netflix, just have a look because you're actually exposed to completely different shows and categories, if you will, that uh, that you're not getting served up from Netflix. And I happen to notice a couple of really interesting things happening on your Netflix, James. Here we go. And right, I, I go? know it ain't Hannah. She doesn't have time to watch bulk Netflix at the moment. She's, she's full-time mumming with a four-month-old. So I'd have to say this. Well, not really. This she's prob- actually she's in front of the Netflix quite often, to be perfectly I honest. Know. I don't so know. So I'm actually gonna. I'm, I don't know where this is going, I, but I what you, I will say is she watches more than me. I think you know where it's going, and therefore, and therefore oh. you're putting blame. Okay, very interesting. Let's say it is, honey. It's your your Netflix algorithm. Two things that I didn't have in my uh, in your suggested or continue your, your suggested category. Sorry, we'll start there. Girls' night. Girls' Night In, quite liked that and uh, had a, yeah, a no, recommended that, list me. of... Uh, <laughs> no, that's me. Yeah. Friday night, rom-com night. I wouldn't yeah. mind a Girls' Night In category, but I came home, could not find it. It wasn't serving it up to me. What a Girls' that's Night In. That's on your Netflix. you got mainly documentaries and stuff. I do, sporting documentaries, snoozing Susan. Now, this one, whether it you or Han, very interesting. It said, continue watching. And it was a documentary, How to Become a Tyrant, <laughs> how, oh. how Dictators Achieved Their oh. Power. What is well. going on in your household, bud? <laughs> well, there we go. Now we know now, now we know where Han got it from. Yeah. <laughs> she's all she's all of a sudden just shooting out demands instead of uh, requests. <laughs> she just demands. Bring uh, bring home yeah, cheese. 
Is that an actual show? That's very funny. No, is that surely that's not an actual show? It's a documentary. How to become a tyrant? <laughs> how dictators achieve their power <laughs> verbatim, word for word. J- JB, sure, surely not. <laughs> You're going to get him Help to do a quick search. <laughs> He's on his phone. He's looking up on Netflix. JB's making not, a note. He thinks that's a very it can't, interesting. It can't, it can't yeah, I'm going to get to my list for later. It's a, it's a bit Machiavellian, isn't it? It's a bit, bit, bit Machiavellian. It's the new age, the new age, um, yeah, how, how to it's, dictate. It's a real thing. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. It's achieved that power. Yeah. Narrated by Peter Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Peter guy, you cannot oh, trust geez. him. So if you're noticing a little bit of a shift of power in your household lately. Stitch up. You're being, she's. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, well, um, I just, I do wonder the calibre of people watching that and it does concern me a little bit. <laughs> now, you came to my house the following week and uh, in yeah. our last episode you, you gave Sky News few, Deluge, few, yeah. Yeah, a few pot shots at Sky News, but uh, is that more interesting than how to become a tyrant? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Probably achieved the same outcome, to be honest. <laughs> hey, Kaz, uh, I think... I think we're going to roll the sleeves up here and get into some serious business. You and I were the biggest advocates in Australia, I reckon, for the New South Wales stamp duty choice, which was basically mm. a, a great incentive that rolled out 1 July last year, being 2022, that enabled first-time buyers buying a property up to $1.5 million mm-hmm. to either choose to pay their stamp duty or pay it instead as an annual land tax at a much lower amount. Yes. It's been scrapped. It's been scrapped. <laughs> well, One year in. Well, I mean, well, we, we've got a new state government there, don't we, in uh, in New South Wales. So that was introduced by uh, a Liberal government, to my understanding, um, and now uh, been phased out by by the Labor government. I guess it, it was a very interesting choice, right, from a, from a state revenue perspective. In fact, stamp duty. Isn't that a isn't that a federal? No, no, state. It is. It is. Okay. Big, big state revenue. Sorry, sorry. It it must be now that now that we're talking about it, it must be because um, obviously they wouldn't have that pull. But it was a very interesting play because instead of getting that upfront sugar hit of the revenue straight bang into the state, uh, they were giving buyers the option of uh, effectively trickle paying it, which which would get them into the market sooner because. When you're buying one $1.5 million property, it is a huge saving. It can be like upwards of $60,000. 60, 60 grand. Yeah. yeah, 60 grand. That takes a long time to save, cuz. So I would have been Absolutely. choosing if I was a first home buyer to pay the uh, the annual property tax for sure. But yeah. they actually, so, so they released that they were scrapping it, I, I believe, don't quote me on this, but sort of like mid to late May. And then no, it wasn't. It was an election policy. In oh, fairness. okay. In fairness, they they did they did give us uh, full warning. I mean, you know, and by us being Australians and, and New South Welshmen in particular, women and men that that get to actually vote in New South Wales, it was part of their election campaign. So they knew it was coming. Yeah, they elected yeah. him in yep. on the back of it. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, they've got rid of it, which I just thought was a a real shame. I, I felt it 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 was something that other states were going to get onto mm. because it was a massive success. For the first 12 months, but these state governments have got so much debt that they yes. just can't afford to 
take away revenue at this point in time. Upfront revenue, that's exactly right, and instead of playing a, a longer-term game. Um, but it was interesting. There was a bit of a buyer frenzy that last two weeks of June, Cuz, because Massively. people, you had to just sign a contract and opt if you wanted to do first home buyer choice incentive, so pay the land tax instead of the stamp yep. duty, um, which yep. people knew that they had to buy something before June 30 to, to maximise that. So that that data will probably come out in a, in a week or two and we'll have a bit of a look at it, see if there was a bit of a buying frenzy, but um, by all reports yep. there absolutely was. And look, and look in fairness, um, in defence of Mr Minns, he does have a first home Buyer's policy has he increased the the threshold for no stamp duty has increased from six hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand, yep. uh, and then you get some reduced stamp duty concessions up to one million. Mm. But when the median house price in Sydney is one point three, yeah. it's, it's not it's not quite there. And and look, um, you know, I, I've seen some really good points made. Um, someone when when I, I put this on my LinkedIn, someone had a great comment where they they said uh, I think it was Heather Heather shout out if if you listen uh, said. If they're first-time buyers, they're first-time buyers. Why yeah. do we cap the price? Yeah. You know, if they're a first-time buyer, it's still their first time. They've still have, had to put together the savings. Why don't we give them concessions on stamp duty full stop? And I just thought it was a great point. Mm. Um, so well and, and well made, um, you know, that why do we have a cap in the first place? I agree. Like there's an eligibility criteria, right, where they can't earn over a certain amount from, from memory. I, can't, I don't know exactly what it was. Um, like if you earn extraordinary money, I'm mm. not sure that you're entitled to it. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, but maybe that should play. Now, there are income caps yeah, and, and all that's yeah, the thing. That, I just that think, should uh, play into it more than the actual price mm. of the property, you know, especially if it's a, a partnership of two people buying the property together as, as first home buyers. I absolutely agree with you and Heather. Mm. All right, let's pick it up. Let's throw some positivity in there. Thank we don't you. like negativity Thank on this you. podcast, but we had to. With that previous <laughs> little bit of news, hey, uh, what about buying with mates? Buying with mates mm. or, or family, mind you, uh, buying with a friend, partnering up to buy a property. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, and and have you ever done it? Oh, I came really close once to buying a property with my brother, um, and then mm. for whatever reason I can't remember, we we didn't do it. But look, I. I am. I sit on the fence with buying with mates and or siblings uh, mm. because a lot can change, you know. But I've I've put together a few little dot points of what I would recommend, like in what scenarios I would recommend you do buy with with yeah. mates or siblings, and then also what to consider as a as a team, if you will. You're almost yeah. business partners now. What to consider yeah. before you do it or, or as you're doing it. Um, yeah. because there, there is a bit, and I dare say a lot of it isn't discussed up front. You know, it might be inferred mm. or, or it's like a we'll figure it out as we go situation, um, which I'm just not sure about because our lives change. You know, we get married, we have kids, our priorities change. One of you might want to buy something down the track. So uh, everything is always changing, which is a beautiful thing about the world. But here's here's my few recommendations, and cuz feel free to to add anyone in. I recommend no, I, like it. I recommend buying with sibling and or mates and and any family member for that for that matter. Number one, yeah. you trust them. You got to trust them. Maybe that seems yeah. too simple. Maybe it seems obvious. But ask yourself, yeah. do you trust this person? Number two, yeah. You both bring something to the party, right? So both of you bring cash, like equal amount, 
or one of you's got the cash but not the income and the other one's got really good income but no cash because effectively you're both properly bringing something to the party that the other doesn't have and you need yep. you need both to buy, right? Yeah. Third thing, if they have good money habits generally. Now, maybe this is something that you don't necessarily know if, if your, your mate or your sibling has got good money habits, but I would say it's usually pretty obvious if they don't have good money habits. But I think just maybe ask yourself that, see if you can observe if they do. Um, and then the, the fourth thing I would say is put yourself in a situation where each party is willing to, to document something in some capacity, what you've both contributed for future dealings so that, hey, it's plain and simple. Um, I'm not, you know, may, maybe it's not legal, but it's, you know, something you've you've whizzed up, both of you have signed and agreed on at the time of purchase. If you can tick all of those boxes, I would recommend seems pretty legit. You should be buying together. Did I miss anything? Any uh, Anything else if, uh, what, if, that you would recommend if buying with someone? No, I think, I think the, yeah, the main ones you're right is trust. Can you trust the person? Yeah. As the saying goes, you're better off having, a, you know, a no agreement with someone that, that's an honourable and trustworthy person than, than an ironclad agreement with someone who isn't. Mm. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, despite that first point, I think you, you should have an agreement. No matter how much yeah. you do trust someone, you know, time, you know, if you, if you own a property with someone for 10 years, like that's a long time. You can oh, forget sometimes what... Yeah each other have put in or done or exactly. what the deal was. You know, the the things can be blurred over time. Um, you know, I've I've done it twice uh, and had a great experience. I did it with your dad to buy my first home um, and that was – we had an agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't on the title in that instance, so we needed needed an agreement. Um, and then I did it with my mum, same same thing. Um uh, on the – I think it was the third property um, with my mum where, where, where similar thing and mm-hmm. we've just – um, subdivided and, and dealt with that down the track, had an agreement even with my mum. So, look, I, I think, you know, picking someone that you can trust. Uh, I've also got – I'll, I'll keep anonymity, but I know a couple of guys who bought a property in their 20s together, mm. sold it as they hit their late 20s and then respectively were able to use the proceeds to buy their own homes so can uh, individually, which I just thought was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, so it can be done. If it's done well, mm. it, it can be a huge way to pull resources and, and get that one plus one equals three, yep. you know, or, or, you know, half of one's better than all of none. That's right. Type, type of concept. That's right. Um, I think we're going to see a lot going forward. Mm. There is, according to the Productivity Commission, um, there's $225 billion every single year that's being inherited. Yes. by Australians yep. because we, we've got the baby boomers yep. who are, you know, retiring and or passing and they are the richest Australian generation we've ever had and, and might ever have because they've just seen so much growth mm. in real estate in particular over the past 50 years. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot where people have got a lot of equity or got a lot of cash but they don't have inco- income. Yeah. And then, you know, therefore for the for the younger Australians typically they've got the income but they don't have the equity or the cash, enormous opportunity to, to buddy up. But I agree with you, your four sort of rules there, trust, agreement, knowing knowing the individual is important as well. You're right. If you if you chalk and cheese with someone, that's probably not always a good thing. Mm. And I mean, because though you, you could know them really, really well and be best friends today, but 
you know, certain situations in life change um, circumstances and, and how people view things or, you know, like they they get in a, a, a marriage or a partnership where that's the, the new priority, you know, which totally, totally fair and reasonable. And, hey, on the other side of the coin, being that we're a positive podcast, <laughs> positive podcast, um, is that people probably fall into purchases with great mates and siblings that just end up perfectly. And, you know, they've done none of the yeah. stuff that we've recommended. But I do want to note a few things to consider. So you've ticked all the boxes of, of our recommended and then a few things to consider and discuss. Um, number one, why are you buying together? So who brings what to the table? Number two, mm-hmm. what is the agreed game plan with the property? What is the agreed mm-hmm. game plan? So are you buying and holding? Are you developing? Are you renovating? Um, mm-hmm. Who's doing what in that transaction? So i.e., if you are renovating, you know, what, what do each of you bring to that? Is one of you a carpenter and the other one really good with sort of handling the the treasury, the, the money? You've got to treat this like a business in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um Really important. What is your eventual game plan? So, is it to to sell? Is it to Mm. both use equity? What is your exit plan? Sorry, I think I said game plan. I meant to say exit plan. Establish your exit plan together. Um, And also, something that came up recently because I had a client who bought with his brother. He's gone on to to marry a lovely lady, and um, and they now live in the property him and his brother bought together. And his brother said, well, I want you to pay me rent. So have that discussion up front. If one of mm-hmm. you lives in it, do you pay the other rent for that, for that portion? It's probably yep. only fair because you would have been renting it out if you're both not living in it. Um, and then are you buying 50-50 according to your cash input or is your ownership structure akin to, you know, cash or, or whatever? And just on that, the two ownership structures are you can be joint tenants, mm-hmm. which means you each own 50-50. That's right. Um, and and not, a, not, not a percent less or more. Or you can be tenants in common mm. where you can play around with it where one could own 99% and one could own one. Um, I think, you know, the thing about joint tenants is if, if one passes or, or something bad happens to, yes. to one person, the other 50% automatically gets transferred to the other uh, tenant in that instance. Mm. If it's tenants in common, it, it just goes by whatever your will is. So your your percentage gets transferred um, to whoever you've you've left it to or your next of kin mm. and all that sort of thing. Normally you're going to want tenants in common because I think it also gives you the flexibility that if something were to happen down the track where there's going to be money put in and one of you has money, one of you doesn't, you can just play around with the percentages um, based on who's put in what, whereas you don't have that flexibility uh, with joint tenancy. Mm. Uh, obviously, c- consult a lawyer or something to yeah. give you proper advice on that. But uh, that's my my bush law um, advice bush on law. that. One. Tenants <laughs> in common generally going to be the better way to go. Totally, totally agree. And 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 look, last thing I just say is, if you sell it, who gets what portion? Um, assuming yeah. you make money, but also you got to discuss if you're selling and you're losing money, what happens? So just have all of those conversations up front, cows, and you'll still be friends at the end of the day. All right, Kazimoto, uh, inflation's up, CPI's up, all of that jazz, but, but it seems there are certain cohorts that have not changed their spending or if they have, they're spending more. Older Aussies, in fact, spending up big. What have you taken yeah. out of a, a recent Matusik report? Well, it's and, and the ABS. Uh, so the ABS produced the data, Matusik, Put it all together and articulated it very well. He does. And and, and the point was, 
inflation's up by 7%, mm. but who's actually spending money? And, and the ABS break it down by age group. And if you look at the age groups, um, what you notice is it's the older Australians who are spending a lot of money. In fact, they're spending up, you know, if, if, if the average across all Australia is 7%, if people, people 55 and above spending 8.5% more, 65% and above spending 12% more, 12% more. <laughs> so you retirees yeah. and presumably if you're 55 or older, you probably don't have a mortgage. So interest rates aren't having a big impact on you personally. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting, isn't it? That That is a good way to put it. It's sort of like, well, I don't have to worry about that. You know, I'm maybe not renting, um, Yeah, presumably not renting, no. You know, so no, no long-term commitments. Well, you know, and then they break down the uh, the age group. So 15 to 24, again, you probably don't have a mortgage, but you're probably getting smashed a little bit with your rents uh, yeah. at 15 to 24. Yes, yes. They're up 5.8%, so not not far off the, the average of seven. Mm. Uh, 25 to 34, that is typically the age group where you make the big plunge. Yes. You jump in, you borrow as much money as you possibly can and get into the market, uh, and that, that cohort there nearly only half a percent inflation. So they are spending only half a percent more than what they were last year, which, you know, given the costs of everything have gone up, yeah, they've yeah. probably tightened the belt and actually cut yep. back on their yep. actual uh, net spending. Uh, and then it, it gradually jumps up to, to 4% um, for 35 to 44 and then 45 to 54 back up to 5%. Mm. So the point being is those who, who have mortgages clearly are reigning in their spending, um, but, you know, of the 10 million houses in Australia, a third of them, there is no mortgage. A third of them are rented. Yep. So it's more more about what the rents are doing. It's only really about a third of all houses in Australia where people have actually got a mortgage that's not offset by rent, um, you know, where they would be feeling the pain and, and, and they are running in their spending today. Because you and I are in the 20, 24, 25 to 34, sorry. Um, like just anecdotally, do you feel like you're spending less, more, same? I mean, yes, you've, you've got a baby, yeah. so you've probably got a few added expenses that you you didn't have before, so that yeah. would skew your data. But just generally, like, what what do you feel? Oh, I absolutely have reined in spending. Yeah. I mean, I've got eight properties all on variable rates. Yep. So, yep. you know, you look at that and you, and you do. You rein in your spending. You, mm-hmm. you, um, you know, you just sort of... Uh, no, it's not that you go without, but you just you're a lot more disciplined yep. than you know. I, I would say grew largely undisciplined with yeah. um, spending when when rates were low. It's true. Um, it's true. Whereas you do, you just get a little bit more disciplined. Um, you know, we we yeah, we just maybe don't eat out quite as often. Um, yeah. What, what about you guys? Um, like I think I think it's a bit of a, a cross pollination of of things. Ie trying to get Uber Eats less, but more from a health benefit than a, than a spending than a spending thing. Yes, I know I got Uber Eats when you came over last week, but that was spare of the moment. It was spare of the moment. It was bloody three degrees that night, cuz. Um, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I would say that generally, I it is on my mind a little bit more. Like I'm now only on one mm. one coffee a day, and and I've I used to be on two a day. Um, and if mm-hmm. I do want to have that second one, it's it's fully uh, percolated coffee at the office, which, you know, mm-hmm. costs next to nothing. But, you know, I've sort of more consciously put the money that I wasn't spending away, uh, which is kind of an interesting, it's it's like a new, it's a new little habit for me that I introduced only at the start of this year. 
Um, so, yeah, look, things like that. Anecdotally, I would say I'm probably not spending That's, significantly uh, less, but I'm not spending more anecdotally. I'll tell you, is, and, and this is as good a segue as any, tell you who is spending money. The, the, the top end of town, the, the wealthy, the wealthy property barons out there yeah. are spending money. And it uh, started last week. We saw $192 million on the Gold Coast paid for the Sheraton mm. Mirage, uh, which worked out to be about $650,000 per room oh. in, in the, uh, in the Sheraton Mirage, which, um, not, not too bad. But, uh, from an income point of view, they've paid 21 times the net profit each year. So it's a, it's a huge number, 21 years to get your money back wow. uh, on $192 million. It was paid by the uh, groups, a couple of families, the Laundy and Caridis mm. families, mm. Uh, pub barons, I'm told. They own, uh, for our Sydney and New South Wales listeners, wow. the Manly Pacific, the Crown Plaza Terrigal, mm-hmm. and they were the underbidder on the Sofitel in Brisbane, which sold for about $170 million. Uh, earlier this year. So clearly outspending money, that's a big bet on the Gold Coast real estate market. It is, it is. And like, you know, these guys are taking punts at the moment, I suppose. that That's the Sheraton, like that's a um, hotel, you know. It's it's prime real estate too. It's a lease though. You've only got a lease off the government. So you're not actually, you don't own the land. But it is is probably the only prime pure beachfront Mm. real estate on the Gold Coast. I mean, you're taking a punt, I suppose, that over a long period of time, rates are going to come down, spending's going to go back up and, you know, like act- activity will will continue strong in, in the tourism market, I suppose. I mean, Gold Coast will be a big receiver of population over the next five years. So they are taking a bit of a punt. You've also got developers in, in the property game taking massive punts as well. But mm. I, I feel like these are a bit more calculated when we're talking about residential you know, population um, kind of things. Outside of a, a hotel, you've got Bob L, which is uh, our leader. They've bought a big, massive Coomera site for $194 million because you might know the, the breakup just better north. of that. But, yeah, but just north of the Gold Coast. Mostly uh, 4,000 4, houses going into to that particular site, $194 million. And then in my in my uh, hometown, Brisbane, Harry Triggerboff, the Oracle, mm. has outlaid $130 million on a beautiful Brisbane site. And it is a cracker. Mm. Fronts the uh, botanical parklands in um, in Brisbane there. Really nice. But would have taken quite a while to buy because they had to buy 107 individual units. Oh, really? It's an existing building. Yeah. Whew. I saw yeah, it was 107, on like- 107 apartments yeah, wow. that they bought. Wow. Well, if anyone's going to do it, it's Meriton Group, <laughs> like really, isn't it? If anyone's going to do al- it. And as always, the Oracle offers some great quotes. Uh, he, he goes on to say, I believe prices have been depressed for too long. They have to rise to reflect land and construction costs. Soon the Americans will stop <laughs> rising interest rates and our guys will start dropping them. And then he goes on to say, buyers will have new confidence and our return to Brisbane will be well-timed. I can sell them at prices people can afford. Mm. And obviously he's referencing Sydney there where Meriden do the bulk of or have done the bulk of their business, um, but obviously has become less and less affordable yeah. over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess interestingly, and it, it does relate in some capacity to developers taking big punts, but we're now seeing 
Uh, some of the big banks, some of the top four actually come out and say, we're going to release a product um, whereby uh, those who are struggling to refinance because there's a 3% buffer rate, i.e. you're being assessed on 3% above the interest rate you would be paying and your ability to pay at 3% above, we will, if you internally refinance, assess you on 1% buffer rate. So there's a better chance of the, the mums and dads and, and perhaps some investors um, of refinancing internally um, because there's a lot of talk about mortgage prison essentially where mm-hmm. you've actually, you may have a scenario where you've got sensational equity in your home um, but interest rates have risen, the buffer rates are sitting at about 9% what you're being assessed at and it's really hard for you to, to move to another bank and, and pay less. So we're starting to see those products come out um, which will you know, ho- hopefully, I guess, lo- loosen up the market a little bit but you did have some maybe yeah. light so- criticisms of, of these products. Well, CBA, CBA and Westpac uh, have have formally come out and, and, and uh Every every bank's probably going to do it. So the big four will be the first, and then every bank from there on. And the question I've got is, what rate do you have to pay yeah. to get that product? Because you shouldn't have to pay a higher rate than what a new customer gets mm. at the same loan to value ratio. So what are they? What do they badge that product as? And and do you have to pay a higher interest rate as a result? Mm. Uh, I don't think you should have to, but I also think that a three percent buffer is silly. Like, why? Why have we got a three percent buffer still in place when rates have gone up by, you know, nearly four percent in the well, more than four percent, in fact, mm. in in the last 12, 13 months? It's it's just ridiculous that you've still got a service at a three percent buffer. There's no way rates will go up by three no percent on top of the four percent that they've already risen. Mm. Um, but APRA don't want to change it, and um, you know we we. We look at each other and and uh, we wonder why there's a housing crisis in Australia when we make it so hard for mum and dad investors and every Australian to actually buy. 3% buffer is just ludicrous. Well, it should at the very yeah. least come back to 2%. But it's not um, – I'm glad, though, that those people who are stuck with a bank mm. uh, can now at least refinance and, 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 you know, keep their head above water. Mm. So we'll keep an eye on these kinds of products coming out because – the mortgage prisoners, they're a big hot topic around town, especially in the lending world. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll try to drip feed a bit of that information to our wonderful Double Shot listeners because, hey, it could it could help some of you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if we went over. To, I, I, I mean, we don't we have did. a time limit. Yeah. It's our podcast. Yeah. We can go for as long as we like. But, <laughs> we know um, we won't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe we went slightly longer than normal today. Thanks for hanging in there if you did. <laughs> Hope you got a bit out of it. Hit us up with any feedback that you've got. Mm. Uh, Michael and a, a few others have uh, been sending through some feedback saying they want a little bit more news to be wheeled in. So we've been trying to do right. a bit of that. But I'd uh, love to get your feedback, guys, even if it is just that you think I maybe should be a little bit bigger than what, what I am. Um, and I hope you're enjoying Alex's podcast sure, as well. I'm sure it won't affect them because if they're listening. It's all, it's all audio. <laughs> None of it's visual. Well, the one thing I didn't ask is whether whether Brian meant taller or wider. Yeah, should, or buffer. He just he thought yeah. you had bigger muscles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a good weekend, Cuz. Oh, Brian, thank you for that. That will stretch out. And get for off my Netflix. Years to come. <laughs> Girls' night in. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is the doubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is the doubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.